know this. Introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not PS. Tooling Semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWT Semantic. Yeah, me know. Boom! Tooling Semantic. Yeah, me know. Big ups to the man. Tooling Semantic. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments. And without further ado, today we have Rav Moishe Yankel Aaron Yerucham Goodman on the show. Hakoyen. Hakoyen. <laughs> How are you, Moshe? What's going on? Doing amazing, man. Doing Good to amazing. have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Let's talk real estate. Absolutely, we're <laughs> gonna do. We're gonna be doing a lot of that. So if anyone does not like real estate, this is not the episode for you, because we're gonna be getting down and dirty. So uh, Moshe and I met on Instagram. How did we actually meet, dude? How did we actually meet in person, or how did we meet well, on Instagram? Meet in person, we both know. But I'm trying to. I I don't remember who who found who or who did what. Ironically, I think I reached out to you regarding a listing or vice versa, and. You know when you message somebody on your phone or you save a number okay. and they start recommending you on social media? Okay. I think that's sort of how it worked. And then either I followed you, you followed me back. Before you know it, obviously, we're in the same space. So we're following the same content. We're liking the same stuff. And, you know, one thing leads to another. You know, we talk strategies. Nice. Congratulations on your listing. Congratulations on your sale. What are you doing to get these sales? What are you doing to get these listings? And then organically, these things, um, these things uh, go from there. For sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, we uh, we've been kind of back and forth for the past couple of months. Oh yeah, it's uh, pen pals, if you will. <laughs> totally, what it is. Yeah. And uh, finally, you invite me to a barbecue. I Absolutely. show up. Uh, good, good sir. What is he nickname again? Mudu. Mudu, right. Mudu. Right, right. Mendy. Right, right. So Mendy invites us to a to a, a fat barbecue. Absolutely. We had a lot of good meats, dude. That was good. That was solid. Absolutely. I'm still Mendy. digesting some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up getting into a whole conversation, a whole worldly conversation, of current events. But uh, yeah, so switching into switching into the the market in Florida, you've been doing very well with buyers for the past couple of months especially yeah really primarily buyers so. right um i happen to really enjoy working with buyers but um that's not necessarily why i work primarily with buyers it's just the way it's sort of developed my sphere of influence most my age group my circle of friends the people i associate with they're within the age gap of being first-time home buyers so um it sort of worked i'll give you a bit of history so I moved down to Florida coming up in June. It's going to be two years. Now, I was actually a realtor before that in Brooklyn, New York, for about a year before that as well. And I was doing exclusively rentals. Um, first off, because I felt like I needed to earn my stripes start the bottom of the pole. I was doing residential rentals. And I was building up steam. I was uh, satisfied with my progress. But it was always part of the game plan to eventually step up into residential sales. And then to take it one further, I was going to be like, I'm going to get into commercial sales 
But now being so entrenched in residential, I don't think I ever want to make that switch. I like the residentiality, the personability between clients. I'd have to say every single client that I've had to date, I consider a friend right now. Yeah. And we're in communication, past or closing, for shits and giggles. You know, I see a funny meme. I think it's applicable to a past client who is a current friend. Send them that meme, you know. Also, remember, in this business, it's all about referrals. So it's in your best interest to befriend your clients because they like you. You did them well. When someone in their sphere of influence comes up, say, hey, you know what? I'm looking to shop. How was your move to Florida? Can you recommend me a realtor? Their answer is... I know a good man. Absolutely. I know a good man. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I yeah. was going. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty convenient for you that your name is Goodman. Uh, yeah, many things are convenient. Mm-hmm. It's convenient to have this beautiful face. It is convenient. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'll have to, I'll have to speak to somebody, mm-hmm. to a plastic surgeon, to, to hopefully give me a good man face. So yeah, dude, that's dope. It's awesome. Yeah, so absolutely. what have been... First off, let's kind of go into the whole continuing to be friends, befriending your clients. Mm-hmm. I think for both of us, it comes naturally. I think we enjoy it. I definitely can say I enjoy it. It's, uh, you know, you, it, it obviously takes time, especially if you're going out and hanging out with them. You know, there's only so much you can, so much time you can allocate. Mm-hmm. But in terms of keeping in touch with them, especially over the phone or in text, sending them Shabbat Shalom messages, sending them happy birthday wishes, keeping keeping top of mind with them. What I start doing, what I started doing a couple of months ago, especially with the with my Jewish clientele, is I'll send them a Shabbat Shalom like blast message on WhatsApp. And this really keeps us in touch constantly because at least once a week we're, we're saying hi to each other. So I think that's very special. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it totally is a referral-based business, absolutely. 100%. And I'd like to add on to it that you're absolutely correct. It is, it, it comes natural, I would say, to me, and I would assume it comes natural to you. I would say that anybody who gravitates to real estate beyond the the bullshit you'll see in social media, million-dollar listings, all these TV shows, and the glamour beyond the glamour, the only way you'll actually have longevity in this business is if you enjoy interacting with humans because... That's what you have to do day in, day out. Mm-hmm. You're just interacting with people. You're serving them. You know, like I have, I have past clients like hitting me up about random things that's somewhat related to housing, but not in my purview of my profession, if I would say. But like you're constantly communicating with people and it's, it's not a technique to befriend your clients it's you genuinely are if you're going to be successful in this business you genuinely want to befriend your clients because you just you spend a, some period of time with them you just develop a bond and you know that's how it's it's the only real way in my opinion to make this work without a doubt so yeah i completely agree and with all of that said now that we're in the market we're in, and for a while it was a strong seller's market with a low interest rate, now we're at we're still at a strong seller's market with high prices, and now we have high interest rates. Where do you think things are going to start to go now? 
so and you're not going to hear this from many realtors because I feel at least from the social the the realtors that I follow on social media, I feel like they're trying to pan this image that it's just going to go on and on and on. It's going to keep on raising forever. Come on, man. You know, that's not it's not realistic. In my personal opinion, based off what I've been observing in the market, data that's coming out on foreclosure rates and, you know, <clears throat> days on market and pricing and whatnot, like I personally believe we've hit the peak. Interest rates are now sitting anywhere between five to six percent. The difference on a on a mortgage of a six hundred thousand dollar house from two from a year ago at a three percent interest rate to now a five percent interest rate or even a bit above is literally it's a thousand dollars more a month. If you were shopping in the four hundred and fifty thousand dollar price range, you essentially got priced out of the market because if you qualified max, your max qualification was for a $450,000 house, based off your debt to income ratio and like the cost of the home and the monthlies, you're priced out because you'd have to take a cheaper home. Probably, I don't know, 380. Can't find a single family home in South Florida for 380,000. Those times are long gone. So, um, and then people say, yeah, but that's just at the bottom of the market. I'm like, nah, all the tides affect all the ships. You know, no matter, everything is going to go up and down together. Uh, I personally think how it's going to play out is like this. In the next three or four months, we're going to start seeing it affecting the pricing by someone. It's not going to be steep, you know, maybe 5% or something like that. I think first we're going to see more days on market. You know, I think what the average day on market was, what? Last time I checked, 18 days on market, something like that. Do you know? It really depends on the area. You, the average in which in the county or in the I'm state? I'm saying in Broward and, and, and Miami, Dave. I think it was like 18. Because condos are uh, condos. No, no, I'm talking single family single homes. Family. Single family homes. Average is 18? I, I'm not sure. I think the last time I checked the data, it was like 18 days on market. I think we're going to see it's going to sit on the market a bit longer. Because I know in the peak of it. I know in like when, when and, and it's still, you can still argue in the peak. When I mean the peak, I mean when yeah, mortgage yeah, rates were, I know exactly were like, what you're were like two, about. seven, three, two. Yeah. That, I mean, properties, a week was crazy. A week was nuts. 100%. 100%. You, they'd be going off the shelf in one, two days. And they still are, depending on the area. There are still yeah. properties that have lines out the door. But yeah, it's, it seems a little bit slower than it was. So it's for sure, because mm-hmm. also remember, people are not coming in from out of state at the same rate that they were coming before. The country is pretty much totally reopened. There's not really many COVID restrictions I mean, anywhere. COVID was great for Florida. No, I mean, COVID was fantastic for Florida. I just hope the people who came here aren't going to necessarily vote the way that they were from the states that they were fleeing and try to make Florida like the place that they left. They literally had this. We love our freedom over here. There's oh, a yeah. reason why people came here in droves. Yes, Dude. the weather is great, but the weather's always been great here. Right. Okay, it's not like that changed in the past exactly. year. It wasn't a COVID era thing. Honestly, I mean, not to get so political over here, you know, like there's a reason why people came to Florida, you know. Without a doubt. Yeah. There was a, the, real quick, there was a, a sheriff somewhere oh, up north. You saw that? I saw it. It was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he's in a county called Polk County. Okay. Yeah. That's somewhere in northern Florida. Yeah. And he gets up, I think it was with DeSantis. It was either with Suarez yeah. or DeSantis. 
and he gets up and he shows a map of Florida and he goes, all of you who are interested in leaving your prison-like states and coming to Florida, we welcome you. Enjoy the beaches, enjoy all the amenities, enjoy all the, the fun things there are to do. But all we ask is that you don't vote in the same morons that you voted in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love that. I absolutely agree. But with I that. wouldn't but I wouldn't put it past them and I really don't give them enough credit. I really hope that they make the right decision this time around. But uh, I mean I'm, <laughs> if logic would follow. If logic would follow, they probably won't, you know. They probably won't know. They probably won't because you have a governor over here who fights for your freedom. You know, like imagine okay, you're not a parent yet. I'm a parent. Right. I mean, I happen to send my kid to private school, so it doesn't really affect me. But imagine you're sending your kid to a public school and then you're not really having a say at all in what's being indoctrinated to your children. Then you have a governor who's like, no, we're not about that life. You know, we're going to make sure that we're transparent and we're not going to shove this ideology down your throat. As a parent, I think this guy is a hero. I don't know if I go a week without seeing a maneuver from Ron DeSantis and saying, not all heroes wear capes. Like literally, <laughs> it's like a, a slogan for me at this point. It's crazy, right? Yeah, He's I such love an, it. I love I the love guy. It. Yeah, I mean, they're saying now that if if Trump runs, then DeSantis isn't going to run. Just because I hope that's not the case. I'll be honest. Yeah, with you. I would. I I would vote DeSantis. Yeah, hundred percent, no doubt about it. I think the truth is, man. Like, if DeSantis runs against Trump, Trump would be a better shit talker. There's no question. Yeah, but, but he's too. He's too much. He's too much. He, I think. I think. I think DeSantis is the is the more refined version of Trump. He, his policies are right, and he has a level head. Right. You know, I, we're I, not getting 2 a.m. tweets about the Rocket Man. You know? <laughs> I, think, I think at the end of the day, DeSantis is a military guy. I think if he need, things need to happen, they'll happen. Meaning if he needs to send military somewhere, he'll do it. He doesn't come off as a pussy whatsoever. So I'm not really, I'm not really worried about that. Uh, but yeah, if he runs, I would absolutely vote for him. He's got my vote. I mean, if it end, at the end of the day, if it were between Trump or Biden, Trump's got my vote, man. Trump's got my truth yeah, is he's I mean, got that's my vote without over. saying. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's I don't. Th- I don't think most Biden supporters will vote for him again. But I, who knows? There's no way. There's no way. I mean, I saw an article recently, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, where it was talking about that um, Biden was saying that he wants to rerun. I thought it was comedy. <laughs> Nothing shy of comedy. I mean, I'm like, oh, go ahead, please. Please do that. Public theater at its finest. Dude, the presidential debate was an absolute Saturday Night Live. Like, it was, it was, it was a political SNL. It's funny. And I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't necessarily identify as a very political person. Neither am I. That's, I was it's about just, to say that. It just so happens to me. I have my beliefs. And that's that. You know, like, but I mean, some of the stuff that comes out from some people's mouths just... It's hard to resist it. It draws it draws you in, you know. It really draws you in. Anyway, let's take a step back. Let's get back to real estate. I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> right. So, so you earlier on, you earlier on were experiencing like you were working with rentals in the beginning. Correct. So, so the the question of the hour is what allowed you to start to see success in the buyer's end. And shift from the rentals into the purchase, into the purchase side? A very good question. And I've actually given it thought because 
Because I remember, man, I remember before you had... It was a struggle. It was a real struggle. It took me, and I'm not joking, it took me nine months of Did you have a lot of doubts? Were you like heavily doubting yourself? Of course. Of course. I'm also a very introspective person. Probably too introspective. And because of that, I could be prone to overthinking. And obviously when you overthink, let's be real, it's really for the benefit of the overthinker. Totally. So yeah, doubts would creep in, but I was like, I'm just going to be knocking on these fucking doors. And the proverbial doors, not like I wasn't really door knocking. It was just like, I am going to push this envelope until I get that first sale. And it took me nine months, took me nine months to get that sale. And I was very emotional when I received my commission. (laughs) I remember I was walking through the halls of Winn-Dixie. Uh, buying some groceries for my family. Right. And I received an email from my then broker at the time saying Mazel Tov. And uh, with my commission, and I was like, this is for me. This is for me. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm off to the races. I'm not going to stop. But to take it from the beginning, beginning, and I was mentioning to you even before we shot the podcast on the porch, like about earning stripes. I'm all about earning stripes. I feel like at least how I am, it gives me a legitimacy to myself. So when I know I started at the bottom, I started doing residential rentals, and I had to fight my way to get my first sale, and then had to fight to get that second sale. And then, you know, picking up from there, I feel also along the way, there's so many nuanced things I had to learn that has developed my skill set now that when I meet with prospective buyers, there's a confidence that just comes with it. I know my craft, I'm good at my craft, and most importantly, I can make this as seamless, as smoothless, and painless as possible for you. Smoothless, you wanna make it smoothless? Smoothless, smooth jazz. You know, make this, sorry. (laughs) I cut you you right now. As smooth as possible. I hope you don't wanna make it smoothless. No, 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 I wanna make it seamless. Yeah, yeah, no, but I get why, yeah. why your brain did that. Yeah, you know. But, but dude, I, I, I'm, I want to show you something yeah. because of how much I, I love what you're saying. I have a, a buddy. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Alon Avgi. He is a very young real estate investor who has a $50 million portfolio. Ooh, yeah, how long dude, has he been investing he, for? He started at 18. He's like 25, 26. That's amazing. That's insane. That's absolutely amazing. So uh, he has, let me see if this is the video. Hold on a second. Where is the video that he posted? This is incredible. Hold on, let me see. Okay, here, I'm just gonna play this. Logan's opinion of people who don't work hard is on point. There's consequences that you pay to constantly seeking comfort and and avoiding discomfort and avoiding hard work. And those consequences are you're never gonna feel self-realized, you're never gonna feel like you accomplished anything, you're never gonna have this feeling of understanding that difficulty and struggle and, and the ability to push through that is a muscle. Joe Rogan's opinion. That's exactly right. Best as I can say it, and I say earning stripes, but that's it right over there. I have earned my place at this table. And mind you, it's not like I'm some rock star agent. I will be. You're you're on the way, baby. I will be. We're both on the way. Exactly, 100%. But I'm not there yet. But as I said, I'm okay with earning my stripes. I will take that one step at a time until I find myself in that position. But yeah, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to get that first sale. 
Um, the second sale was a shit show of a deal. And, you know. Oh, so my the, early, one of my earlier deals was such, it, it, my client was such a pleasure to work with, but there was a family member that was really difficult. Let me so. guess, it was the dad. It's always the dad. It was really it's always tough, the dad. Right? I hate to say it, you know. But like uh, at the end of the day, it it, it went it, it closed. The, my client was very happy, was thrilled, and we're still in touch. You know, we're friends, and I'm really glad everything worked out. But it taught those deals are the are the deals that teach you, man. Like 100%. you don't want to go through the tough deals, but whenever the tough deal finishes, and even if it doesn't close, and it disappoints you, and it pisses you off you learn a lot more from the deals that don't go well, in my opinion. 100%. Most, I would say, most lessons in life uh, that didn't pan out the way you wanted it to give you the best lessons. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But yeah, so um, what it took me to finally get that sale was, it so happened to be he was a, a good friend of mine, and he took faith in me, which I'm deeply touched. Oh, because he knew, like he knew. I, I don't even know if he knew it was my first deal. And obviously, I'm not going to tell him that's my first deal. I want him to have faith. But regardless, he had the faith. He knew you weren't in it for 10 years. He, he knew I was new. Right. Okay? He knew I was new. And mind you, you know, like, I was a stay-at-home dad before I got into real estate. And, you know, I have to this day a very special bond with my daughter, who I was overseeing. Because, thankfully, my wife was making significantly more income than I was at the time. It only made sense. We weren't going to pay some random person to raise our daughter for the first year. Um, so happens to be I was a stay-at-home dad until my daughter was 18 months. And I was exclusively a stay-at-home dad from her third month. Well, because my wife took some time off of work, obviously, right after having the baby. And I think I did a great job at it. You know, my daughter is super advanced. Um intellectually speaking her grasp of language she was like speaking fluently at two years old wow. which yeah which which is i remember in brooklyn where i used to live there's a kosher grocery store called bingo i don't know if you ever heard yeah, of it. yeah it's I like went, a costco dude i went there once and never it, again man yeah I, I loved it I, I wasn't into it i loved it, it, it they had great stuff bro but it was too big like i don't like these huge no, i get shoulder london broil you know for 649 i'm buying that shit over here for 12.99 yeah no pr dude price wise for sure there's price rise but it's more than that it was just the variety Anyway, that was it. By the way, that spot was in Osharad. You remember, like um, the Israeli supermarket. One hundred percent. It's exactly what it it's is. It's the same. It's actually. Same it's based off the same model. Right. One hundred percent. But I remember one time being stopped by just some random lady, and she's like, "You speak to your daughter as if she's an adult," and I never even thought about it. Cause, Dad, I'm not, I'm not cooing to my daughter. You know, like a lily, speak to her. Yeah. And mind you, it was just the two of us. For the majority of the time, I would take her once a week to the zoo, once a week to the aquarium. You know, I'm so glad you're telling me this because I'm not a parent yet. And I yeah. feel like like with animals, you talk to them like like babies, right? Because that's just what people do, right? You have to do, yeah. oh, you're so cute. Yeah. But with a kid, although it's very natural for people to want to do that, a yeah. baby is one thing. Because a baby can't even speak. Yeah. But they even say a lot of the, the therapists and and. and people who are very good with children, whatever you'd call them, yeah. they say to talk to your kids normally because it, it 100%, helps. 100%, because how do you think you learn language? And that's what I... They I've, learn language from listening to you. And I've wondered because I'm naturally not really the type with a little kid to be like, 
I'd, it's just much more natural for me to talk to them like a normal person. Whenever, 100%. as I was growing up, I would always do that. And I thought that maybe it was weird of me. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that it's actually the better way to do it. I, I, per, I mean, I could only speak from my experience and that's mm. how I did it. I wasn't even conscious. It's just how I interacted. I think she's benefited from... She's well, what's benefited. like a typical conversation? So say you're out for ice cream or say you're, you go somewhere with her. Yeah. How, did, like, how does she kind of respond to you? Now or then? Well, how old is she now? Now she's four. Okay, when she, she was two. When she was two. It's more of a monologue, that's to be honest, because, you know, maybe not so much at two years old as it was like when she's like one, one and a half. It's more of a monologue where I'm just speaking to her. And she's responding with She with responds, yes obviously, cues, you know, like, and obviously with, you know, the basic language that she has available, but... Um, the difference now now it's a full conversation i'm speaking with another human you know isn't that amazing though, to raise a little like tiny little baby and now you can actually talk to this human that you created it's isn't that amazing? absolutely insane my daughter's at an age where when she throws a fuss she throws a fuss you know it's funny because you'll notice kids no matter how advanced they are they could be well behaved well spoken but let's say when they become overtired or they're hungry it's like the reasoning has switched off. It's, it's like you can't speak to them anymore. It's like the reptilian brain has totally taken over, complete, wild, and you know, like it's like it's not based in reason at all and like just off the chains. It's, you sure there's nothing to do with her being a girl? No, <laughs> uh, no it's not. It's like I, I had an experience just this past week when. We went, I don't know, a week and a half ago, we went to New York for Pesach, for, pa- for Passover. And I was at my family, and my daughter, she's very hyper, which is great. She's a bundle of energy. She's always brimming with energy. But, like, it was a combination of travel there. Her typical sleep pattern was broken, obviously, because we're staying at a different house. She has all her cousins. And she's having the time of her life, but like, it went past 6 p.m. and she was just starting to get very fetchy. Like, the most menial things were setting her off. And I was like, okay, I I have to take her away from here just to like deflood it. And it was crazy what was going on. I was like, who is this kid? I don't even know who this is, you know? But then I was like, you know what? She just needs to take a nap. She went to sleep for the night to wake up in the morning. It's like the resets button has been switched, you know, like back to being lovely, sweet, and kind, yeah. you know. So um, we all need that though sometimes, man. Like sometimes yeah, we need to really sure. sleep on something. Like it really helps. Yeah, so I saw a great. It's as adult. It's also, I feel like it also goes on to food. Like I saw I saw a funny meme earlier this day, and it said like eighty percent of fights cause because someone's just hungry <laughs> you know someone's just hungry oh the hangry phenomenon man oh, yeah. is, is so true bro that's me that's oh, real me. so like if yeah, yeah. Ben, if, if i already had a bit of a stressful day and i didn't eat and i'm say i haven't eaten lunch and i had a really tiny breakfast and i'm dealing with it with something stressful and i'm it's four o'clock i'm hungry as fuck and i have two more hours where i can't eat and i'm sitting somewhere i'm in a conference I get so edgy. Like I, I you know, I control myself. I'm an adult, but I'm just more on edge because I just need. Yeah, oh my god, it's normal. It's normal. You know, I try not to resist the things that are normal. You know, mm-hmm. 
this is how you know how we're wired to be and that's okay i mean obviously as humans we can experience certain things and not act on them obviously sometimes we lose the battle but as a general you know like yeah sometimes you're hungry sometimes you're hungry it's it's just bringing it back to what i was saying about the experience of raising my daughter as a stay-at-home dad it was it i did an amazing job and i'm not saying it wasn't rewarding so much and i know this is going to be controversial what's what i'm about to say next but it solidified my views of certain gender roles and no matter how good of a job that i did at being a dad and i have this most amazing bond with my daughter for it i wasn't fulfilled i wasn't fulfilled and my wife was crushing it at work and no matter how like if i was doing what she was doing at work i would have felt like i'm top of the world but at the same time she was doing that and she was feeling unfulfilled because she wasn't having time to spend with her daughter you know i mean i know in this modern day and era people always fight these there's a reason why certain norms come into place because it's organic right people gravitate to these things because i would say it's quote unquote natural Without a question. You, you don't have to sell me on this. I'm, yeah, I, no, honestly, like, I did it, but I wouldn't do it again. Yeah, I can't, quite frankly, I can't even, I can't picture myself being a stay-at-home dad. And I, I, I you know, I commend you for, for having, like, the, the humility to go and do it. I feel like maybe part of it is a pride thing for me. Mm. But I also think I really just wouldn't feel accomplished. Not to say that it's not a huge accomplishment. Exactly. I, I, I'm on the same 100%. page. 100%. It's like, it, I know what I did mm -hmm. was super worthwhile and i know i excelled at doing it but i did not feel fulfilled for doing it because it's as much as it's part of being a parent and it's part of it is a masculine trait parenting as you know your own form of parenting it's you still need to go out and hunt you still need to go out and grab what's yours you need to, to go say out and, right that's specifically for who i am i need right. to be hunting right I'm, I'm a hunter right and finding real estate for me was a godsend because it gives me that fire, that hunt, the hunt is on. And I don't know, people can't relate. You know, like it's, it's, it's 12 a.m. at nighttime, you know, and you wrote your biggest offer yet. And you got the sweats <laughs> because it's like, but the hunt is on. It's like if, if I were to envision myself as a lion, like I'm, I'm prowling, I'm prowling, I'm, I'm going to hunt this beach. But you can, I don't know if you care, but you can curse. Like I've been. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You don't so have to. I can right? hunt this bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It's nice. Yeah. It's refreshing. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. 100% dude. It's, mm. it's, that's what I love about this business. I mean, there's so many things I enjoy about it, but I mean, I, I love the idea that things, you don't just get a paycheck. You need to earn it. You need to earn your check. Yeah. It's so much more than that. Right. Yeah, it's just, it, there's so many components to it, but it's, it makes you resilient, well-rounded, it teaches you not to quit, it teaches you how to, how to build relationships, it teaches you how to be persuasive, and when I say persuasive, I don't mean it in a negative connotation, but you learn how to get what you want, because it, I, I'll even take that a step further, when you can help people get what they want, you'll get what you want, I love that saying. And you understand that you can be very successful in this industry and do the right thing. And that's also what I really, really like about it is you can just wake up in the morning and feel like you're doing something good. And in return, you can be well rewarded for it. 
That's what I like so much about it. It's like I can go and work at a gas station and fill up someone's gas. Am I doing a good thing? Yeah, sure. Am I being rewarded for it? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, argu- arguably, I'm getting money for it, but is it is yeah, it really going to no, do the 100%, job? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I hear what you're saying. You picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you were you were talking about uh, you're talking about earning your stripes after that first deal, and and before I even get to this next question, people who give you the opportunity to work with them that know you and know that you haven't been in the business for a long time, they can go and find a realtor that's been in the business for 15, 20 years. A hundred percent. We, as as younger realtors, we really, really uh, like owe it to those people. And I, you don't have to say owe it because if they're friends with you, you'd be like, you don't owe me anything. You found me the house. You found me the property. But those are the people that really helped you build that foundation because it does it takes those earlier clients to, to trust and believe in you. Once you've already been in the business for a long enough time and you've built that social proof and credibility, people will work with you because you've had you have the experience. But then there are those people that say, you know what, I like that guy. I know he's a good person. I know he's going to really do his absolute best. I, I'm going to give him a shot. And those Honestly, those people those are those type of people I love these people because before you're an expert, you're a novice. Right. I mean, you have to get in at some point, and no matter whenever you're going to start, you're going to, you're just going to, it's a learning curve. You're not going to have the necessary skills. This is one advantage to, I find, in the real estate business. You can't just come into the game and get your broker's license. You need to work under a registered broker. So even if I didn't have the necessary skill, you could kick it on up. Mm-hmm. to the person above you who needs to be in the business for X amount of period of time. In the state of Florida, it's two years, you know, of holding an active license, practicing real estate under a different broker where they could become their own brokerage. Also out over here, I don't see so many small mom and pop shops. They're all pretty much the big boys, you know, Douglas Elliman. You're at um, Keller Williams, you know, Compass, like all these, they have teams and yet, yeah, it's honestly, if okay, so if there's a nuanced question that someone new, you don't really know what you're doing, you just ask the, the, the veteran over there. And I feel amongst realtors, people are pretty good about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll give you the information. And then you have those guys, like, you, you finally lock your first listing, and I ask, like, a simple question, and they try to solicit you to co-list it with them so they can kick on me. I'm like, what, so you answered a question of mine? I'm like, really? Well, who's the people have done that to you? Oh, yeah. In your office, you mean? Um, so my office, although we have a physical office, it's in Pompano Beach. Mm-hmm. I work remotely. You know, in the building I live, there's an office space. I have my, my own sort of conference room. It's almost always available to me. So whenever I'm doing, you know, um, desk work, and I know you're not a big fan of doing the managerial type of stuff, but for me, I like to have put my fingers in all parts of the business so now I know how all the parts move, then I can go ahead and delegate that down the road. At least I know what what needs to be done and why it's being done. Well, I think it's very important to know it. The reality is once you do start to hire enough people to delegate the tasks to, over the course of time, you're going to start to like lose a bit of... You're probably not going to forget it completely. But you may not fully remember everything. If it's 10 years down the line and you hire, you have everything kind of delegated f- from today on, 
10 years later, you're probably gonna be like, what was that document called? Or what was that thing? Even though you see that you see everything CC'd in the email, I don't think as a business owner, you don't have to know every single component of everything. You don't, but you should have a very good working knowledge of all the moving mm -hmm. parts. So let's give the, the viewers a bit of background. Like we've yeah, had yeah. this debate where you're all about delegation and that is a very great way to scale. I'm not I'm not disagreeing that you should know things. I'm not saying yeah. you shouldn't know things. I'm just saying that I'd rather focus on the the aspects of the selling that really make me the money. And when it comes to the paperwork and the calls and all those things, I want to delegate that as much as possible because you only have X amount of time in a day. So with any business owner, with any entrepreneur, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, you're going to have even with Elon Musk, I'm sure Elon Musk, obviously, I'm not comparing myself to him in terms of intelligence and everything like that. But, and he's an absolute workaholic maniac. But are there things in his business that he doesn't know? Yeah. Does he oversee many things? Probably. But in terms of Tesla, does he know every single working part? He has people that are professionals in that given area. 100%. He has, yeah. I agree with that. No, what I was saying is when you're learning something from new. Okay coming out of the gate if correct me if i was wrong your philosophy was is that coming out of the gate you want to have the systems in place that can allow you to scale my counter argument to that is that coming out of the gate when you're not overly swamped and you're learning the ropes i think there's value to doing it yourself so you learn the ins and outs and have an understanding of the minutia of how the working parts tick. Mm -hmm. And then as you start scaling, because naturally, obviously, if you stick in the business long enough, your su success is going to grow. Well, don't so, you want to start scaling sooner? Being it's put it this way is that, and this is for any new realtors, you know, if this video finds its way to you, right. is that the course doesn't teach you nothing. Right. The course is just fear housing laws and basically how not to we get in yeah, trouble. We all know that. You know, like the, the, <laughs> the course doesn't have to do with any practical, practical dealings when it comes to transacting real estate. Um, so when you're growing the business, starting off, you're obviously not going to be overly swamped. You maybe going to have those one or two clients, and you're going to give them your 100% dedicated effort. If you're good, you know, you should be, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're doing your business right, you're going to be doing that. But I'm saying is it's worthwhile to write the contracts. It's worthwhile. I mean, you, you're always going to be doing the negotiations because that's actually a licensee related activity. You can't hire a person to negotiate and, and maybe you could hire someone to write the actual contracts, but, um, I think it's valuable to learn these things, to write the contracts, you know, to learn, to sense where you could put pressure. It's, it's just so much goes into it, you know, like the addendums and the keeping track of the timelines and learning how to speak with the lenders. Find out from the lenders what exactly they need. So when I have a client comes to me, I don't need them. I mean, of course, I'm always going to send them to get a pre-approval. But based off what they tell me, I already know if they're, you know, where they're going to fall into the pipeline. Are they theoretically ready to shop today? Do they have their ducks in a row? Learn to speak to the title companies. 
find out what the title companies do. What do they need? What are they looking for when they run a title search? You know, are if the property in questions in an HOA, what's necessary? Getting an estoppel letter. All these things, I feel it's very worthwhile to know. Yeah, you can hire a transaction coordinator from day one. And they'll probably be able to handle most of these things. Well, the truth is, though, that the transaction coordinator is not there to necessarily have these conversations. The transaction coordinator is simply there to take care of the paperwork and to make sure that things are being done on time. Exactly. But what I'm saying is, like, <coughs> they'll make sure the title company is getting what they need. They'll make they'll touch base with the lender to make sure everything's running on time with getting the appraiser down and all that type of stuff. I would just argue it's worthwhile, especially when you're not so busy, take the opportunity to learn it now as opposed to, you know, delegating that. Well, how long do you feel? Because it's very easy to say, like, is it's there a, good a time qu- frame? It's a real, it's, it's obviously it's a personal, that. it's a, per, it's, it's not, I'll tell you, it's happened. Hmm. How it's happened to me is when I was juggling too many, you know, I was at one point on contract on five properties at once. And I know there's people out there who, that's a joke, you know, that's nothing. But for me, that was a lot. And there was a lot of moving parts. And I was like, you know, the time is ripe for me now to get a transaction coordinator because now you're still CC'd on the emails. You know what's going on. It's just that you're not directly doing the juggling. You're watching someone juggle and you could tell I'm like, okay, that ball needs to hit his left hand now, you know, and then you could step in mm-hmm. if something is being dragged out. But it's a personal thing. When do you when do you need a transaction coordinator? You need a transaction coordinator if it starts affecting your actual business, going showing homes, you know, negotiating on deals. I mean, it's absolutely prospecting for clients, you know, that type of stuff. It's absolutely going to take up your time. There's no two ways about it. So, I I agree with you. I for me, I just take what my coach says in the, in this regard. He told me to get a TC right away. He said, "Don't wait on it." He said, and we had he had the same discussion as people were asking. Well, oh well, don't you want to learn these things? He said, "Well, it's important to know what's going on. It's important to know how these things work." But I, I he said there are things that I've forgotten how to do at this point, and, and he has the luxury of forgetting how to do it. You know, but he it's the you can call it the luxury, but he built himself there. So the reality is, the more you delegate these things. You may forget certain components. You may not fully remember certain components. I think he probably at this point, I think over the course of time though, you see it so much. You see your assistants doing it because you're in the emails that naturally I think you're going to eventually it'll all stick. With with inputting listings, I'm going to tell my assistant what to put on. I'll tell them what the description. Bitch of uh, I, that I really so do not I, enjoy doing. So I agree. I, no one does. Hire so, hire somebody. <laughs> so if I can have somebody, I get the listing, and there's somebody else, and Bob takes it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay I write the description. I yield. I yield on that. You know, <laughs> and also the calls, bro. Imagine imagine your assistant's numbers on the listing and not yours. And you and you know your assistant's good. Your assistant's on top of their shit. Yeah. And you can have you have fifty realtors calling. And instead of those 50 calls going to you and getting in the middle of your day, imagine all of those calls do not come to your, your desk. They get they get rerouted to somebody else. They filter all those 50 out. You end up with seven. Those seven are legit. They send those seven to you. You handle the calls. You Think about the time that you save. I, I, you save I agree so much time. On that, though, I'll maintain, as I said before, it's important. Let's say if it's your first listing, 
it's important to experience the flood of calls because I feel like you are going to learn subconsciously. Oh, but, but also most, most yeah. people do not have the money to do that anyway. A TC... It's not very can, expensive. An and, assistant? A, a, no, not a full-time assistant. I'm saying a transaction coordinator. We're not talking about a transaction We're talking an assistant. We're okay, you're right. Assistant. Okay, yeah. Okay, a that's TC, different. you often... you often What is it? 395 425 whatever yeah, it costs. per transaction. Okay. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's that's a measly amount of money. It's not nothing, yeah. but it's tiny. You pay a virtual assistant or an assistant. You're talking fifteen hundred a month, two thousand a month. Yeah, no, it's more. That's something. So it's a an, salary. Early, an earlier agent doesn't have those that kind of funds to throw around. Okay, a lot of the time, most of the time. Okay, so if they don't have those kinds of funds, they have to wait. Okay, so that's that's really how it works. Once they have the the money coming in, then they can start to do it. So that, I think that's just kind of a product of what happens. If I had, yeah. you know, if I felt comfortable doing that, I would, I would have a few of them at this point. Like you have people who have three of them; they pay them six, seven k a month in total. But these guys are rock stars, though. You know, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to have enough volume that it justifies. You know? Oh, for sure. But if you, if if I'm making seventy k a month religiously, go ahead. I'm gonna drop seven k on virtual assistants. Go ahead. Because you think about right, you have yeah. somebody doing your branding. You have someone putting. You're not sitting there doing mailers, bro. You have somebody doing your mailers. You have somebody taking calls. You have somebody doing emails. You have somebody even doing certain follow up calls. It's not to say that they're doing everything while you sit down, while you sit and and mm-hmm. stare at the wall. You're still gonna have to do a lot of work. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's you're all probably, the mundane. Yeah, I I agree. If you're at a point in your business where Let's say you can be bringing in another five listings this month by using this time prospecting as opposed to getting tied up in in managerial type of stuff, 100%. I mean, if you're at that point in your business where, where your time obviously is going to be way better used on getting listings, 100%. Now, yeah, I mean, it's arguable that starting off from the beginning, if you used all that time to get the listings, it'd still be worthwhile. But, I mean, I think there's two sides to the coin. I get what you're saying. I still think that it's worthwhile to learn the ins and outs of the business. And then once you hit your stride and your business picks up enough to the point that you're like, I will be making more money by delegating this. The cost, the cost of hiring somebody to manage all this as opposed to me using this free time to go and expand the business. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I think also a large thing is bo- when both of us are in positions where we're doing very, very well, we'll be able to kind of come back and reassess. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, yeah. Like if right now I was making 500 a year and I was having this conversation with you, it would probably hold a lot more weight. Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? Because correct because I because ha- I still had to start somewhere but now if I'm if I'm putting 500k in my pocket every year you at least say next year you'd be like okay something's working right there, he can back up what he's saying yeah for sure you get me so that has a that has a, it's really I think largely what it is but I hear where you're coming from I think you hear where I'm coming from yeah, we're, we're 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 not really fully disagreeing it's just kind of like it's just that I I guess yeah. it's the way I approach life and the way you approach life. But it's funny though. I was not like this, bro. Like this yeah. was a total shift. Not at all. I, dude, I grew up. When you don't grow up with a wealthy mindset, you want to do everything on your own because your whole idea is you don't want to spend money. Hundred percent. So this was, bro. This was the. This is a total one eighty for me. Before I got into real estate, I never wanted to delegate. I always wanted to do it on my own. This way, I could save money. What you don't realize is time is money. 
when you when you you when you leverage money to take to 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 bring to give you time, that's where you you build, and that's why the rich people understand this, and the the poorer people don't get this, and that's why everything is pretty much delegated. They have whatever on Instacart, or they get someone to shop for them. Somebody cleans the house. Somebody 100%. does this. So uh, trickle down economics at its best. As your well, real quick, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here because then. When when wealthier parents delegate everything, that's I think when you run the risk of raising very spoiled kids. So I think there needs to be certain things that you purposely don't delegate, or you delegate them to your kids even to allow them to push them to work right. Because yeah. then if everything's done, they don't know how to do laundry, they don't know how to clean their room, they don't know how to how to make food, how to help cut potatoes for Shabbat, whatever it is, your kid ends up being completely helpless when they get it's older. Okay, we'll just send Jordan Peterson for them. <laughs> well, Jordan Peterson's having a whole thing right now because, like, I don't know if you've heard, it's like all over the internet. His daughter got divorced. She was dating this. She was married to this Russian guy. She has a kid now. Yeah. And everyone's kind of shitting on Jordan Peterson because he seems to be so level-headed and and in some funny way, like not not perfect, but he seems to have everything figured out from other people's perspectives. And now his daughter uh, kind of wants to go out and, and party and do all these things. She okay. still seems like a very level-headed girl, and quite frankly, I don't care about any of this. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny how... This is the first I'm hearing of this. Yeah, you no should idea. check it out. Michaela Peterson, yeah. I, I know who she is. So there's a couple of people like kind of shitting on her and like how she's trying to find a babysitter. Uh, she would like post on social media for, for someone to, to babysit her kid while she goes out in like the town of Miami. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and like Jordan would be like, well, Michaela, I, I don't think that is of your best interest to do. I think <laughs> I think philosophically you might want to be with the child because if you're with the child, when the child is older, child is older, eh? When the child is older, eh? It'll be more responsible. So partying is not maybe what would be of best according to Socrates. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah I love the guy though. He's great. Yeah, so... um. About, uh, yeah, how, how did we get there, Jordan Peterson? Okay, about responsibility, personal responsibility. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. yeah, percent. I have a question for you now. Ask me. I like when the tables are turned. Yeah. What do you think is the separation between those agents who actually end up becoming in the top one percent and those who just fizzle away? I can't away wait to answer this because. If you look at the stats, I think like some 88% of realtors turn over annually. That's insane. Can't wait to finish. I can't wait to answer this. Take the floor, homie. I I am nowhere near where I want to be. And I know without question, and if God keeps giving me breath in my lungs, that I'm going to kill it in this industry. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, you everyone has different timelines. Some people just have, you know, and, and everyone has different strengths, right? So for me, for instance... Uh, directions aren't my strength. Like, I don't have the best sense of direction. Um, and I don't mean, like, direction in my life. I'm talking about literal directions. Like, I'm just like, oh, it's south of A1A or west of that. Like, I'm not, I just, I'm not so good at that naturally. And it's funny, growing up in New York, I was really bad at it. And now coming to Florida as an older person, because I'm in real estate, I, I just naturally know we're like, okay, this is east, this is west, this is north, you know, whatever it is. And I've just kind of, I've become a lot better at it, but I still have work to do it just doesn't come so naturally to me so everyone has their strengths and weaknesses what i do understand about real estate and i've heard this for many successful agencies and this goes for business in general you'd have to stick it through it's also very important you mentioned introspection you have to know yourself and i think we all have 
you know, at, you never fully stop knowing yourself because you also you'll change you'll change your opinion and you'll have you'll take different tra- trajectories. But if there's that gut feeling, and we both have that gut feeling, that we have what it takes to be extremely successful, we have that this intuition. You have to trust that intuition because it's it's not BS. It's 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 there. It knows. And as long as we trust that intuition and continue to build on it, and no matter how many times we get slapped and pushed around, we continue to go forward. Thing you're going to continue to learn tiny little pieces every single day and sometimes they're absolute epiphanies some some days oh, yeah. you you you'll even learn 15 things in one day and you're like holy shit like my entire business has changed in one day and you pile that up and that compounds day after day after day for years you become an absolute real estate animal and you look back and you, you, I feel like you may not even remember a lot of the bad times because I compare it to the army where when I was in it, I experienced so many shitty days. But afterward, you mostly remember the good times. So I think it, it works that way with life in general. I think God helps kind of erase a lot of the bad times and, and it helps to implant those good times. So long as the bad times weren't insanely, insanely traumatic. traumatic yeah. You know, if they were mm-hmm. very difficult, but not horrible. Um, but I, I, I spoke to an investor uh, young guy and he knows all the, the top agents here and he's like dude there's no secret sauce he's like I know a lot of them very well I've worked with a lot of them and he said dude they just give much more of a shit than other people do they're just willing to show up every day put in the time put in the hours they're not any more brilliant than you are they're not any any funnier or necessarily cooler uh they're just willing to be there when other people aren't. And the reality is most people in this industry, I don't think it's because they're not smart enough. I think it's that when it comes down to it, they don't give enough of a fuck. I don't think that there, of course there are people who are just naturally, naturally very bubbly and they have a very electric personality. You meet them and they're just, there's something about them where you feel, wow, that guy, that guy or that girl must sell a shit ton of real estate. And clients that meet them go, wow, this is, this is such a, interesting person right and you have people like that and i i feel that both of us are like that as well in our own way um but regardless of all those little side notes and side pieces the the real thing that i think separates the the stellar agents from the average agent agents or the very low totem pole agents are that they really just they say no a lot i think that's a huge key to business in general is you have to know how to say no. Your friends are in from New York. They get it on Tuesday morning. Bro, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's hang out, bro. What are you doing at 3 o'clock? Like, let's go to the beach. Let's smoke a J. Let's do this. Let's do that. You're going to have to turn down a lot of social uh, 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 social invites, uh, invites to go out and party on weekends, invites to go party at, on, on weeknights. And you might meet some clients at these parties. But the reality is you're going to get drunk. You're going to wake up late. You're going to mess up the whole day. And I think that's another thing. Being able to say no is such an important thing because when you say no, you say yes to something else. And when you say yes, you say no to something. So I think just really consistency, just like I'm doing with this, is is really going to get you there. And, and also understanding that there are certain things that work and then there are things that you're going to have to be okay with changing. So I think that's why it's also so important to have a very good network of people that are, are levels above you. So you can always see what you're doing and, and compare. And then at a certain point, you start to climb higher and you, you kind of reach their level. And then you can eventually even, be, even get higher than they are. But that's kind of the beauty of it.
you know when you're at the bottom you you have this immense amount of respect not that you don't respect them when you get when you get higher but you have you look at them almost as if they're the, like the gods of of given industry of said industry <laughs> and then as you get higher you realize they didn't have anything crazy that they did necessarily they just were willing to put the time in so i think percent yeah, it's funny because what you say is actually my experience of it. If I were to sum it in a word, grit. Think about where you are now, where you were in the beginning. A hundred percent. The word is grit. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes. I have a very good friend. But like, I, but food grits aren't too bad either. Yeah, I mean, it's not my style food, but yeah. yeah. Um, I have a very good friend. Well, are grits? Hold on. Are grits? No, no, no. Grits like fatty is stuff, like right? no, 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 no. Grits is I think made out of corn. Okay. It's almost like a farina made from corn. Never tried grits? Oh, I don't know. I thought grits was like gravy yeah, or something. No, no, that's gravy. That's a whole different thing. Okay, so I, okay. this isn't my thing then, I guess. I'm yeah, anyway. <laughs> totally. Dial on back. Um, I have a very good friend from childhood. You know, um, you probably have been good friends since 13, 14 years old. And it so happens to be we're actually closing on a house. May 9th um, and I look up to him because he came from my same background and it's almost like anything he touches in a business sense it just it just works you know it just takes off and it's been like that since you knew him as a young kid and the funny thing is he you know, obviously, until we, until we were like 17, 18, we were all dicking around. No one says, you know, you're young. You're just, you're just, you're only concerned about having a good time. I mean, and... There are people at our age that are still so focused on that. That's, that's part of this. So focused on what? Focused on having a good time. It's okay they to have a good time. You live a life to enjoy, ultimately. I mean, I think you also need to have purpose, but you need to enjoy life. I'm not against having a good time. And mind you, you know, I have a good time with work, though. Like you can call me lame. I think that's what entrepreneurs have that other people don't understand, yeah. and they and they shit on us for it. It's like I'm not saying I don't like to go on trips and things like that, but when I'm when I go on a short vacation and hold your thought, when I go on a short vacation, and I and I come back and I'm and I really don't have nearly what I want. I'm like, ah, like it doesn't. I need certain things, and and then you can have that argument, obviously, like, okay, well, when is it enough? Yeah, you have I mean, to. You it's have a to find balance because right. I understand what you're saying. I understand 100 percent what you're saying. It's almost like you're you're out there taking your rejuvenation time, but in that rejuvenation time, you're not really rejuvenating because you're still hyper focused on the growth. It's also like you're rejuvenating, and, and you might deserve that rejuvenation. You can, I mean, you can make any excuse that you deserve anything, mm -hmm. but it's like when I'm just so far from where I want to be, it doesn't have it doesn't hit me the same way. Like if I if I tomorrow closed on a $10 million house yeah. and went on vacation, that would be a hell of a vacation. If I went on the vacation and, and didn't close anything that month, yeah, would the vacation be nice? Of course. But it would still be that thing like, <sighs> I hear you. And that's me, man. Maybe it's intense it's and not, it's extreme. It's actually human. But I would point out the inherent flaw in it. I'm, that's me. Go ahead. You're, Go ex ahead. you're explaining me. Okay. I'm like that too. Okay. But I think I could look at it and find the flaw in it. Not that it's inherently flawed, it's just that the truth is, especially in our line of business, where you're always on the hunt, the hunt never ends. 
So yeah, maybe you close that $10 million deal, but let's not bullshit anybody. When we close that deal, we're right taking our work. foot off the pedal. You fucking kidding me? We're going balls deep. Right. You know, we're doubling down now. Right. You know, like we just had a breakthrough. We just closed the biggest sale of our life. Ah, that's not enough for me now. Now I need mm-hmm. to double it. Right. That's Jordan Peterson talks about this. He says that Pick there are the some head. crazy people. Yeah. He, this is what he yeah. says, and it's yeah. beautiful. And it makes you realize like we're, yeah. people like, like us are kind of crazy because yeah. most of the human population just wants to work at a bakery, make cake, and go home. I don't think like, they want to. I think they don't know that they can do anything more. And they're yes, silently suffering. Yes, yes, for sure. But when they're given the opportunity, they don't have the, the mental fortitude to push through all that agony. So even if they, they want the, the, what comes along with the success of it, but did most of them really want to go through all that and give up all that time and that vacation and that, and that leisure? No, dude. They just want what comes with it at the end. In uh, the immortal words of King Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman, I don't know if you ever watched Bodybuilding. Lightweight. Lightweight. Lightweight, Lightweight baby. Lightweight, baby. He says, everybody, bo- and then, let me try to get his, um, his uh, slang. Everybody want to be a bodybuilder, but nobody want to lift some heavy ass weight. <laughs> he says, "It's true. You know, yeah. everybody wants the glamour of it, but they don't necessarily want to put in the work for it." I wouldn't say everyone wants to be a bodybuilder. No, I'm saying, saying the glamour right, of right, right, whatever right. it is that that's attracting them. You know, mm-hmm. but they don't want to have to put in right. the work that it takes to get there. So then they crap on you for it. But and you wait, yeah, yeah. but okay, and now I guess. Being that I mentioned bodybuilding, let's talk for a second, you know, physical exercise. Let's say a person... Oh, but hold on, hold on, Moshe. I, I just wanted to mention the Jordan Peterson thing. Okay, go hold on. Hold your thought. Yeah, do your thing. He, he mentioned that there, there, are, there are a small select group of people. There are a small select group of people on, on the planet that are so obsessed with accomplishing whatever they set out to accomplish. And, and he said that those people... Are sometimes can sometimes find themselves lonely because you know the entrepreneurs often this is a this is a classic side effect you know Patrick but David Valuetainment never heard of him I gotta show you to him, oh, show him so. show him yeah. to you many successful entrepreneurs talk about this how the the road can be very lonely right you, you're giving up a lot of social time you're going after something that no one else understands you're doing it where you they're not benefiting necessarily. And he said that those are the people, although they sacrifice so much, those are the people who move things. They're the ones who, who, who really are, are responsible for changing the world. I agree. Everyone else just exists. It's not to say that those people are less important than you are, but it's like these are the people that make the real changes in life. And at the end of the day, it, but it comes at a cost. The cost is you may spend less time with family, less time with friends. And at the end of the day, is it a better choice? It's subjective. That's the fuckery of life. It, it's not necessarily any better, but to me, if I'm going to live on this earth, I would much rather work my ass off and, and, and accomplish these incredible things that, that help me self-actualize and realize my potential than sit on the beach and drink mojitos every other month. I hear you. That's me. That's no, me. No, I hear you, but you can always optimize. I don't, you're correct. 100% what you're saying. Like these people who shape the course of history were obsessive to a fault. They had a vision and they were going to make it happen come hell or high water. It Mm -hmm. was happening. Mm -hmm. This is what was happening. They were going to die on this hill to make it happen. Mm -hmm. 100%. But why can't we optimize? For example, the reason I was bringing you back to that bodybuilding or 
physical exercise. Like, let's say there's those people who, that's it. They want to be a bodybuilder. Now, we're not even talking professional bodybuilders. They just have a vision for what they want to achieve. And mm-hmm. they just gung-ho at it. And then these train five days a week. And six days a week. And then seven days a week. I'm like, there's a point of diminishing returns. So, yes, we're trying to build an empire. I'm trying to build I'm, me, I can imagine we have the same goals. What I have envisioned for my career in real estate is, you know, the sky's the limit. And I know that we uh, kindred spirits over here. You know, I know that we're after the same thing. There is a time to de-stress the same way you need to have an off day from the gym for your nervous system to recover. True, for sure. It's important. And I would say that... Back to what Jordan Peterson is saying, that obsessive, my mind doesn't turn off. It's a problem. I feel like we need to train ourselves that when we're taking off time, to take off time. In this business, my head's in my phone day in, day out, 100% mm-hmm, of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I have kids. I'll be honest, they're not very present sometimes. I'm really not. You know? Even if I get to the table, let's say, in the rear day, Dude, I'm The fact at that fun. you acknowledge that, though, the fact that at, at a, as a young father, you're already conscious... Now, you have to put into practice, but the fact that you're already mentioning it is already such a big step because I think oh, a lot of parents are I'm aware of, of parents it are in my denial. wife points it out to me, you know? Okay, but I think yeah. a lot of... Um, give yourself credit, bro, because you, you understand it. A hundred percent. But it's, it's like, yes, I feel you can have the same impact while at the same time optimizing by having that balance where you can learn to refresh in, in the lulls for ticket, you know? I work six days a week. You know, I work six days a week. And let's be real, if I wasn't keeping Shabbat, I'd probably be working seven. Yeah, dude, but that's also the thing. I, I, I don't I don't keep it and I still take off. That's awesome. So you understand the value yeah, of and I and I what 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 made me realize that is first off I think question, it's very helpful. Wait a second question. Yeah. If you had a client who wanted to see a five million dollars five million dollar home on Shabbat. But you feel me? Could they? But but is Saturday the? They were only in town option? for the weekend. They're flying out Sunday morning. Yeah, but that's got to be Friday or something. I don't. I'll be honest with I you. I understand. Man. It's not ideal. Uh, let me give you my thing. Let yeah. me give you my thing. I haven't been in that position yet. Yeah. So I, I I really would like to believe that if they know, and first of all, I think I what what you should do to avoid all this is let your clients know that you don't work Saturday from, from yeah, earlier on. 100%. So this way, if this happens, they'll know to either take a bit of a longer flight or make time on Friday or make time on Sunday, whatever the case is. Yeah, so that you're, way you're, you're answering of, the question on this specific nuance. But that, that's not my point. I was trying to illustrate I, the point of, let's be real, we'd probably work the Saturday if we came to the point where, let's say, you had all these high time. I'll be honest with you. I don't observe Shabbat for religious purposes you know right. i don't it's my wife's more religious than i am and you know i i observe the shabbat for the family right that's how i observe the shabbat and um it's not for any religious purposes and i would tell you right now that if i didn't have that boundary i would most certainly be working on saturday mm. let's be real in this business most clients throughout the week they work they have a life they have to have that income yeah, somewhere Saturdays, to buy this yeah. home. When do most when are most showings taking place? When right. do most open houses take place? Saturdays, yeah. Saturdays and Sundays. It's a weekend business. 
I probably dude, there's always a way, man. I hear what you're saying. And no, I'm saying I'm bringing a full circle over here. Like, let are, me bring it. There full are circle. religious realtors, man, that do very no, well. No, 100. I'm not. That's not my point. I'm saying let's bring it full circle. The idea of resting is important. Mm-hmm. That's all I was trying to illustrate. The idea so of I'm glad, man. Resting. I'm glad that I do it. I'm very yeah. good about it. Have I, I've gone to a networking event on Saturday? Like I've I, I, earlier on, I did some work, but now, man, I'm very good about it. And I think that because I'm, I've made it a, a, a conscious kind of rule in my head. Mm-hmm. You'll find other ways to make it work. You'll get another realtor to go instead of you to the open house. To, to bring 100%. your clients. Yeah, no, you'll, I, I you'll, agree. If the open house is on Saturday, you'll ask them if they can see it a different day, especially if you have a religious client and the open house is on Saturday. That's out of your control, so you have to be able to see it a different time. Or you tell your client, hey, you might you might want to put in an offer even if you're not seeing it. Yeah. And then once at least have the offer in, and then we can go see it Sunday. Yeah, for right? sure. And this way sure. you have that due diligence period. You can always decide to cancel whatever it is. Um, it's, but, it's just... it's. I was using maybe a nuanced situation. It's just very simple. It's about the idea that to optimize, you need to rest. Because if you never give rest, you hit a point of diminishing returns. Your quality of work is just not up to par. You, you burn out, you know. There's burnout. It's a real thing. I think there's burnout. But again, but also I've, I, I listen to certain entrepreneurs. Yeah. And they're entrepreneurs that don't believe in burnout. And they say like this. They say... If you are doing something that you absolutely have a why, enough of a why for, you you, st- you still need some sort of a break, but you'll be able to push through. So my, my thing is also, caveat, Keller, the CEO of Keller Williams, Gary Keller, has a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, but he has a few, MREA, but he has a few books. And in uh, his books, he talks about how to structure your year. He also talk, he talks about how to structure your months, your year, the next five years, everything's kind of scheduled. And I have to work on that more. But in doing so, and I have to do this, but I just, for me, the reason I haven't done this is because I want more deals. But he says, he says to schedule trips in advance, to book the flights, decide where you're going, have it down, have it done, and schedule work around that. There's no last minute, oh, let's go there. Right now we're in, we're in uh, the end of April, you and your wife set a trip with your kids for July to wherever, to Disney World for a week. It's done. It's in the bag. The flights are booked. The hotel's booked. Everything's booked. You're going. Now everything has to go around that. July 4th to 14th, your whole family is unavailable. Maybe you'll take some calls, whatever it is, but it's done. End of story. Then, you know, so that's, say, in July. Then in October, you go to Israel for Sukkot. You go for a week or two, whatever it is, booked and done. You get me? So, no, I agree. So that's a way. A so that's a very smart way of time fixing blocking. this issue, right? Of fixing this issue that honestly I have, and I know the friends of mine have like given me like slack for it, and and they have a point. The reason why I always shut it down, although they're not wrong, is that most of them, although not necessarily from rich families, they come from a lot more support than I do. So it's very easy to be, like, bro. Why do you work so hard? Blah blah blah. I know that once I get to a large a large degree of what I want, like. You know, uh, it's very noticeable that I'm at a, a point of success that most people don't see in their lives. All of those friends, they won't necessarily be jealous or anything. I think many of them will be happy and, and all that. But then they'll probably want to come and say, yo, how did you do that? Like, what'd you do? You know what I mean? They didn't put the work in, but they'll want to come and ride along. But, yo, I knew you could do it, man. So yeah. how'd you do that? You know, how'd you buy that investment property? Could you show me? You know, yeah, I hear it's that. like, 
Well, I'm, I would absolutely help them, but at the same time, it's like you kind of crapped on me before, and that, and again, that yeah. they had a point, but they kind of crapped me before because I think a part of it, and I'm not pointing any fingers at like any particular friends. I think it's just kind of natural that people do this. Mm-hmm. They kind of want to bring you back down, not back down, oh yeah, but back to their level. No, I would it's say not back, back to down. Their level, it's you grow up. I find in social circles, you fit part of the puzzle. And when you they try get to used step to you, up, exactly, right. like, they sit don't the like fuck it. back down. Exactly. What are you doing? You're ruining the ecosystem. 100%. Totally. And, and I think I it's, don't think it's malicious, Ethan. I just... I think in certain instances it is. I think it's just a part of an insecurity where they're like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable that this person is really trying to... I don't even to. think it's conscious. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel think, like it's an unconscious yeah. behavior unless the person is a malicious person and right. then deliberately doesn't want you to grow. Yeah, but that's normal. Like I don't, I don't get twisted about those things. No, me neither. Because I see, yeah. I see it when it happens. And quite frankly, man, I, 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 I really, truthfully, I have such good friends. Like even back in New York, it's a blessing, dude. Dude, I. So yeah. all, all of you listening, I love you guys. Like all my high school buddies, straight up, man. Like yeah. just, I have wonderful friends. Yeah. And I don't, I don't spend enough time. Like there are a lot of times, even they come and I'm working and yada yada. And some of them may may feel like, uh, you know, that I don't give enough time. And it's very. Listen, man, it's. It's hard. You it's know, hard to do because you, you have your, you have your goals, have. man. Like you have your things that are important to you. And I, but the the thing that I can't wait for is, God willing, when I'm married and I have a lot to be able to give back, I can't wait to have those big barbecues in my backyard. All my buddies come. That's the vibe. I hook up everything. Like they mm. don't pay a penny. I get all the meat, all the beer, all the food, all the everything, whatever it, whatever they want. I hook up the whole the whole evening. That would be my way of saying, listen, guys, this wasn't for nothing. You know what I mean? 100%. It's your way and of giving like, back. And that's what I can't wait to do. Like straight up to just do a whole like take everyone out to a nice dinner on me. Like just stuff like that, dude. Just because it's like those people were there from the beginning. You know what I mean? And I know like I'm very blessed. I'm really have a very good friends. 100%. So it's amazing. So that's yeah, man. Yeah. That, that's that's I look forward to those things. I envision those things in my mind. It's funny you say like what's your motivations to grow I find some of it is just a knee-jerk reaction. I just have an intrinsic desire to grow, and no more than just to grow. Just want to grow, you know? But then breaking it down, there's obviously having a better quality of, like, I'm privileged to be married and have kids, you know, that I want for my kids and my family to have a smooth and easy life. Mm-hmm. want to have a nice house, you know? I I want my daughter and my son to be able to take for granted uh, that we have a beautiful house, stuff like that. There's these things, but then there's even more like about contribution. I have a brother who runs a yeshiva in Pennsylvania. And, you know, like he dedicates his life. I may not... I'm not very religious and I don't necessarily agree with the cause, but I agree with the dedication. You know, my brother spends, he's, him and his family sacrifice their life to, to enrich and better other kids. And I think it's very noble. Mm-hmm. And I think it's bull, bullshit that he struggles to do so. You know, there's not a lot of money in it, obviously. And... For me, like when I get a big paycheck, <coughs> it feels satisfying to my soul <coughs> to give him 10%. Mm-hmm. 
to ease it. Like it's literally, it's a motivating factor for me about closing big deals. You know, it's like I happen to give Meister, that's a tithe of 10%. Yeah, but charity. dude, I, 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 that was something I didn't do. It's not for religious purposes. I, I didn't wouldn't do for, do it for other people, but doing it for my, I feel fulfilled. Yeah. I feel like I'm giving back, you know, and it's, it's, it's a motivating factor for me. Yeah. I had, I had two people. I had, I've had a few people say this, but one of my earlier clients, the husband is Jewish, the wife's Christian, but they're, they're very, they they really love each other. Very happy couple. They're much older. He's in his eighties. She's in her late seventies. I think she's probably. I think she's eighty now. Wonderful people. Um, and they didn't give me the listing easily. I had to put some work for that. Like oh, I, yeah. that was a good story, man. I, I I the husband did not want to give me the listing. I went to the to the door and I told the wife. I said, I'm gonna sell this house, and she believed me. I called the next time, like a couple of days later. He told me, Rafi, I don't really I don't want to give the listing. The wife was in the background and said, so-and-so. Well, I could just say it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her name is Barbara. Barbara said, uh, "Barbara said, Bob, Rafi's got this. Let him get the listing. And, we got, and I got it. I sold it. And that was the end of the story. I sold it way above. It was the highest sold condo in the building. That's awesome. And, I mean, it was a strong seller's market, but it was not an easy deal, dude. Not an easy deal by any, any stretch of the imagination. Let me guess. You learned more off that deal than you did on most other deals. I learned though, no? so much more. Absolutely. Of course. And I'm still in touch with them. I'm like their grandson here, and you know, very happy. But but um, she really instilled the idea of giving giving Marcer, giving you know a tithe the ten percent, and she's like, at the end of the day, it'll come back to you tenfold. And the the feeling of being able to give is such a priceless feeling. And then I have a buddy also who's doing very well. Shout out to you, DJ. And like he, his name is DJ, but he also does DJing like in the tri-state area. And he, yeah. he, he, he started doing it for fun and then he did some gigs and he built a very, very successful business for himself. And uh, a couple of times I've spoken to him in the past couple of months, he's really like stressed doing it. And it, it, it feels great, but it's also just, it's, it, it all comes full circle. Um, and, and it really spoke to me and I just really like made it a, a habit to like really make sure that I do that now. Um. Yeah, it feels great, man. It does. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, it's important to give back. You know, when I have realtors, new realtors, ask me questions or like, I'm very sharing. You know, I don't like the fact that some people hold information, you know, so close to their chest when it does. It honestly, does not harm to share it. There's some proprietary stuff that you know. You're obviously not. Let's say you have a crazy lead source that's you know generating you a bunch of income. You're not going to give that away. Like there's so much information out there. Like people new starting that. I Why? think the luxury agents are a lot more afraid of giving info because they is that may, so? I'm not in that space so much. It like, seems like it. It seems like it because they have a very tight niche and it's very hard to get into that market especially the ultra luxury market and i think they're less likely i think i'm not saying they won't but i think they're very selective in who they give it to maybe i mean I, i'm not there yet I, I'm, I could be i wrong. i touch i touch that sphere i'm not hanging out in that you're sphere tickle, you're yet. tickling the balls of, of exactly <laughs> you know so um but like you know like i find let's say you know, I hit a streak of success. <laughs> I hit a streak of success um, doing something, you know, 
shout out. Remember, like you asked me, like when I introduced you to the idea of the cash offer. Oh, by the way, dude. Game changer. Th- by the way, fucking game by changer. By the way, by the way, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Really, you've yeah. taught me a lot about the buy side. Yeah. Like really, just in terms of making the deal stronger and and understanding certain certain nuances. So like really, man, thank you. Honestly, and talking. I remember you said before. You know, sometimes you'll hit an epiphany. I'm like, when I truly. Like the, the, the data shows that cash offer is four times more likely to be accepted than a financed offer. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to say it's probably like 10 times more likely to get accepted. Like honestly, yeah. that's how, and you, you can make a cash offer and still seek financing. You know, right. you just want to make sure you're very strongly pre-approved. So that was one of the biggest ones. For it was me. huge. It was a game the changer 10% for me. down payment. Like I would just do like, oh, let's just do 10K. We're putting in an eight, Eight hundred thousand dollar property, I would put down like ten twenty k, and a I joke because I didn't, no but I didn't understand it. Like yeah. I just didn't understand it. And then you, you, you said, dude, you put down ten k even more. Talk to your client and see what they're able and willing to give. And it's like if my client has the funds to put down a strong, powerful eighty thousand dollar deposit, and that'll get them the property. And the funny thing is, it's it doesn't really make any difference. Because so long as you're still within your inspection period, right. it's an escrow. Right. It's it's just a gesture that honestly it makes the difference. It's on the first page, right next to the purchase price, right under it. You got, you know, the 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 the, the earnest money to be put in within three days, and it's a substantial number. It just it's a first impression. It's just like boom. Okay, these guys are not playing games. They're very committed. You know, and I, I think there's nothing but to gain by doing so. You know, literally, there's nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt, dude. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Well, <laughs> Mr. Goodman, yes. Mr. Moshe Aaron Yisrael, Yerucham. Halevi. Are you, are you Yisrael? Or are you? Um, funny enough, I'm actually a Levi. You are a Levi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, for any of you guys, it's not, it's not that fascinating, but he's, yeah. it, they're yeah. different, like, tribes, anyway. So, sir... It's been an absolute pleasure having you. 100%. Really good schmooze as always. I, I really enjoyed enjoy this. Let's do it again. Next time, let's do it over some some grub, you know, some beef. You know, that's how we did this the first time. Let's do it again. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'm all for it, bro. Thank <laughs> you right, so much for coming, you. man. 100% is a pleasure. Guys, well, before, I'm just, guys, I know many of you who are watching this haven't subscribed. So if you support this channel, give it a subscribe. Give it a like. Even take a moment to just give it a comment. Say, awesome episode. It helps the algorithm. It helps grow this channel. It's a channel that I, I believe in immensely. It's a passion of mine. And uh, your support means the world. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time. And I'll add, I'll add that you could be the beginning. When he's going to have 5 million subscribers in 10 years, you'll be able to get to say that you were part of the first 1,000 subscribers. Be that guy. Do it. Subscribe. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely.